0: AM nine fifty AM nine fifty radio. The Matt McNeil show. Uh, it is your. Wednesday edition of the show. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Usually Jeff Stein joins us today, but right out of the gate, well, I'll let you know Jack Rice is going to join us to talk about some legal matters with him coming up in the four o'clock hour. But right now, if you are not following the Blue Amp YouTube channel, you are just plain wrong. Cliff Schechter is kind enough to join us today to talk about the well, I guess the WWE that the Congress that has become has become lately. Uh Cliff, once again, at YouTube slash C Schechter. It's the Blue Amp channel. If you're not subscribed, you're just plain wrong. Cliff, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Always a pleasure, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I, I I. will say in Minneapolis right now, it is like 65 degrees. For mid-November, not normal in any capacity whatsoever. So there is this There is this kind of stunned belief, I think, for most Minnesotans right now as they're walking around very outside.
1: strange, but very nice. Yeah. Up there. Oh. You know, at this point, not just uh, – I, I literally – I'm. you know, I've got two different businesses. You mentioned my YouTube and I – have an email fundraising business and on both with both businesses i'm working with consultants who are based in minneapolis there you go so it seems like it's a message you know from somewhere whatever you believe in the force you know, I don't know, but but uh, I think with that and you, and I, I think I, I need to make my way up to Minneapolis again. It's been too many years.
0: Well, you get you get up here, and it's we'd love to have you. If we, we if you do come up here, we got to make sure something we do something where maybe uh, the listeners can stop on by and say hi. I, they would love to see you because you are absolutely one of my, if not, I think the probably the the favorite guest I have on the show. So are you
1: sure you're not overestimating and like three people would come by? It and, would probably be three. Know, anything- in, and, like old muffins from like a week ago or something
0: like that. <laughs> you know? and, It'd be three people, two of them family members of me. So you know, it, it, so it, there it's, you go. We can do it at my house. I'll make dinner. <laughs> we'll do it that way. Um, okay, I, we got to go. This is getting. This is just getting embarrassing. I mean, you and I have talked over the years that ever since the you know when when Carl Rove and Dick Cheney back in two thousand and four welcomed in the insane far right into the party because they were going to lose. They needed foot soldiers to help them win that election, so they brought them on in. We saw the immediate effect of that in 2008 with Sarah Palin, a wildly unqualified individual as the vice presidential candidate. And gradually, nationwide, you have seen more and more of these loon bins getting into Congress. Now, you and I have talked about the House, but we need to start talking about the wildly unqualified individuals who are getting into the U S Senate. I mean, we could, we are can
1: talk about Mark Wayne, Jim, Bob, Billy, Bob Thornton, Jimmy Johns, whatever his last
0: name is. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it is. You know, he starts spitting into his hands and making fists in a setting hearing only to have. Oh, Mark <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> He's
1: a tough guy that Mark Wayne he even can take pictures showing biceps with like 47 guns. I mean, no, I don't mean to cut you off, but no. the stereotype that that man is of, like, the classic weak, flaccid, pathetic <laughs> Republican who thinks that they are tough because they surround themselves with guns and use tough talk, I mean, it it, it doesn't get any better than him. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, 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 there's the fun part of it, which is, how do you not make fun of these clowns? And how does anybody... And I know how. I mean, it's, again, the distribution system out there. It's Fox News. It's local talk radio. It's it's you. It's it's the Internet. It's whatever where these people are. Their minds are just turned to mush. And even if they don't like Republicans, what Republicans are very good at convincing people of are, well, you may not like us and we may be horrible, but they're even worse. Yep. And they somehow keep themselves in power, even, you know, I don't believe 45 or 47 percent really like Trump. I think it's the usual one third you find in Democratic republics who will support fascism. But I think there's another 13, 14, 15 percent that they keep around with those kinds of emails and that kind of garbage where they've convinced them all these lies about Joe Biden and his family. And that's what led to one of those fights with Jim Comer, because the clown from Kentucky there who wants to go after Biden for loaning money to his brother. And guess what? Comer lent money to his brother like there's no there's nothing against the law about that anyhow. But but they're trying to turn this into a scandal. And thankfully, Jared Moskowitz, I'm loving this new brand of younger Democrat who will not take their crap anymore, will not shut up when told who are standing up for our values and realizing you need to be aggressive and progressive. And he just yelled back at him and said. Yeah. Then why don't we have you? So why don't we subpoena you? Why don't you sit in front of a committee? Explain your explain your very your various uh, loans to your brother. And that's the thing is, is that I'll summarize it like this. Um, you brought up 2004, but we've gone in various phases, starting with what I would call you know, ground zero clown, which is Newt Gingrich. In yes. 1994. And we've gone in phases. You brought up 2004 when they invited them in around the anti-marriage amendment. 2008 with Palin, the Tea Party in 2010 and we can go on and on and on. But the end result of all of this is is that you now have a party cult parties and like anything, you know, companies, any group is defined by their culture. And the culture of the Republican Party now is one of violence, yep. is one of threats and it is one of absolutely positively not believing in democracy. They do not believe in the will of the people. They do not believe in our founding document. They do not believe in the democratic political culture of this country. They don't believe who gets the most votes wins. They believe in none of that. And that's been a 25-year process you know, that's been happening. Well you're pointing and, uh, at me. I don't know if you're pointing I'm, at me. I'm just, you I'm just pointing to if,
0: if you're watching the show, you you it's radio for your eyes. It is we we stream the show up on the social media pages. Cliff is kind enough to join us on video today, which is just incredibly cool. I, I appreciate yeah. that. And
1: from now on, if you will let me, I'll, I like I'll this video thing.
0: Oh right, let's do it. By all means. <clears throat> okay, you and I, let's just let's just take this quickly. Johnny Bowflex there from Oklahoma. Uh he thinks he's gonna <laughs> take down a teamster. Okay. OK, yeah, I See that guy. Oh,
1: my God. That team. Sure. I'm scared of that guy looking
0: at him. <laughs> he fun. would break him over his knee. I mean, yes. it's it's just you can look at uh, Senator Mullen. You look at guys and I can say this because I was in the military. You, you can look at a guy and tell when a guy when it comes to, you know, the, the fists start to fly. Uh, you know, that, that, that's the guy that's wetting themselves in the corner. And that's Senator Mullen. And that really is the truth. You can just, he's a tough guy. He he's knew,
1: hiding, yeah. he
0: knew he was never going to go down there. He knew it was all theatrics. He knew it. I give Bernie Sanders a lot of credit because he embarrassed the credit, Bernie, the credit, credit Bernie
1: playing the peacemaker. Nice. Well, I guess that, that, that should be Bernie's rolling away concerning his background, but, uh, but, but, he, but certainly Bernie can be, can get a little, uh, vociferous himself with the hands on that. He was like, Hey, sit down. And actually the dude sat down. So that's how tough Mark, Mark Wayne, Billy Bob Thornton is, is that like when, when uh, Bernie Sanders told him to sit down a guy who's like 80, he was like, you know, in gray and disheveled. He's like, oh, I'm sitting down right away. Yeah. Um. But it, you're right. It's all the, I think he, clearly has a temperament problem oh yeah he's clearly not that intelligent he certainly shouldn't be in the u.s senate but that goes for so many people and i think in the end he, he stood up out of his temp you know temper but clearly he wasn't going to go anywhere uh, i mean you know he was going to stand up and try to huff and puff and look like a tough guy but nothing was going to happen and and that i think the key there is just that these guys these insecure wimpy weak guys who make up the Republican Party. They're used to bullying and they're used to people backing down. And the thing they cannot fathom and can't say is this guy in the Teamsters, you know, what, this started before today. I did a video on the on the back and forth between these two guys three or six months ago whenever when he insulted this guy. I, I wish I knew the guy's name in the Teamsters. I should. He insulted him and he didn't do what so many witnesses do, which is just sit there and take it. He responded and insulted him back. And Mark Wayne there just cannot stand it. He can't stand it. He doesn't just get to call people names and not get a response. So the guy responded and responded on social media too and whatever. And now he's all big mad because because his insecurities
0: are showing Sean O'Brien by the way I believe is the Sh- the name of the Sean teamster.
1: O'Brien you're a good man I salute
0: you <laughs> well I mean okay I'm smart enough not to take on a teamster, man. I mean I'm a big oh, guy okay. but come I mean, on
1: I know listen I know when I'm too weak I, I, I don't <laughs> have to go to act tough that teamster would kick my butt and I know it so I'm good with that
0: let the senate is in the past the senate has been the pristine zone the Senate, you've had, but now I mean Tommy Tuberville, he's the dumbest person who has ever served in Congress, and he's a senator, and that is blows my mind. You have Rand Paul out there, you got Ted Cruz out there. You know, there are these, you Gosh, know, that,
1: holy, It's not yeah, what it once was.
0: It it really is amazing to me that what used to be kind of okay, sure, we'll let you go to the howler monkey exhibit. That's the U.S. House, but you need to have some, you know, pedigree to get up here. And the reality is, is in these red states where Democrats have no chance, it once again it it levitates towards the most extreme right, brick dumb individual. And and as long as you can grunt the loudest, that's the guy who's going to win. And I mean, it's you are going to create more of a problem for the Republican Party. I'm not trying to help them by any means, right. but this is not you're not going to have a majority of these grunters. In the Senate, and so all it does is make you your make your brand look worse and worse and worse.
1: Yeah, and look, it hasn't even gotten as bad as it can get. I hate to say that, but but look, Ted Cruz is from Texas, which is a barely lean red state at this point, is almost purple. He almost he only beat Beto O'Rourke by two and a half points. Colin Allred, who's the real deal, is running against him and could beat him. Josh Hawley's in Missouri, Now, that's more red than Texas, but it's still more of a 10-point, 12-point red state where everybody hates Hawley so much, and he's got a veteran running against him too, that he, there's a chance he could lose. What I'm saying is look at what happens now when Mitt Romney steps down. We're going to get some, nothing less than something crazy from Utah. Um, you can, we can dislike Mitt Romney, and I would sit here and I would tell you he's wrong about all sorts of things. 90% of what he believes, I think, is, is fundamentally wrong. But when it came to having the decorum of a senator, he has that. I promise you what comes next from Utah, a small, mostly rural state, will not have that. And we don't even have the worst yet of Mm. North Dakota, South Dakota, some of these places where there are more cows than people. They're going to, they're they're literally, they're going to send their craziest people. So, I mean, the sad thing is, I don't know that it gets better. It's going to get worse.
0: You know politics better than I do. I mean, are, are there, are there... Goalies, safeguards in some of these Republican states, say like a Dakota or you know, uh, in 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 maybe in because Utah. I mean, although Lee is kind of an idiot, uh, I'll say this, but you I mean kinda. I, well, <laughs> kind <been> of? <laughs> he's
1: he's in that same class with Cruz and with you know and mm-hmm. uh, with all those guys. He tried to help Trump overthrow the election. Yeah. he's a complete clown. He's right there with Rand Paul and Ted Cruz.
0: But do do you think there are some Republican states where they have actually had some, you know, some level of of okay, you know, we we can't allow, you know, a Marjorie Taylor Greene to become the nominee in in Georgia per se. We've got to have some standards. Is there been any Republican state to your mind that's been able to to quell this this trend?
1: I mean here and there when the far right splits and it's a multi-candidate primary mm-hmm. somebody who's more center right can sneak through otherwise the only examples i can give you are those who've been around for a while and while i can't stand her at least she's you know she's a liar at least she has a temperament of you know befitting the senate which is susan collins you have to you have that kind of name recognition so if you have a famous name like your name is mitt romney or a famous name like your name's Lisa Murkowski because your dad was Frank Murkowski, you can you can win in those places. But uh, but and you can win as somebody who may be wrong on most things, as I would say, but at least is temperamentally fits into the Senate. But what I'm saying is, short of that, no, I don't think there are any safeguards anymore in the Republican Party. I think other than than people running in Republican primaries who have big enough names to stave off the nuts, the only other way it's going to happen is if the the nuts split the vote. There's enough of them in a multi-candidate primary so somebody who's not a complete loon can slip through. I mean, uh, I hate to say that, and there may be a few states where there's exceptions I don't know about. But for the most part, that, this is what we got. I mean, if we lose Cassidy from, from Louisiana, look at what we're going to get next. Look at that governor they just elected he's a complete lunatic. Uh, I mean, Cassidy voted for, you know, Louisiana's probably one of the five or six most conservative states in the union. And and they've got one of the seven senators that voted to convict Donald Trump. The minute Cassidy leaves, whatever follows him will be worse.
0: Well, and I was just down there and it is really interesting because you'd think New Orleans because of the population there, New Orleans would control the politics there. But I think because they've embraced so much of that drinking culture come down here and all the problems that come with something like that, I think that even in a democratic city like New Orleans that you basically get – you know uh, an appeal towards the republican side i'll tell you what we got to take well, it's a.
1: Bre- also cities and suburbs versus the the rural areas and i don't think new orleans is big enough to make up for the rural
0: i i that's i think there's a fair point there too uh cliff let's take a quick break we'll come on back i want to talk about the embracing of fascism that it's it's you know, you know totalitarianism 101 coming from trump right now cliff Schechter, kind enough to join us we'll take a break come on back it's the matt mcneil show right here on am 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Cliff Schechter, kind enough to join us today on a Wednesday. Uh, Cliff, uh, I mean, Colbert last night broke this down better than most news outlets do. Trump himself is really becoming, okay, if you're going to cosplay Hitler, you better take off the costume every once in a while. But here he is talking about he's the vermin that he's going to round up. He's got, uh, you know, he, he's basically uh, bragging about, you know, crowd sizes, comparing himself to Hitler. He is, uh, you know, he was refusing to leave office. We now find out that he their, their initial plan was that he just wouldn't leave, although it would have been hilarious watching General Miley drag his butt out of that that White House. That would have been funny. Uh, and then, of course, now you have this new plan for them if they get into office, concentration camps, rounding people up. This is part of their platform, and the scariest part is is. I don't hear one damn Republican saying, no, 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 we're not going down this path.
1: No, I mean, it's only, again, the, the, the thing that has sort of been the constant factor through all of this and all this, I mean, the Trump era, even though, again, there were many issues before that where people should have spoken out. A few did, most didn't. But let's talk the Trump era is they all suddenly get, you know, real much louder voices when they're out of office. And it's not to say that I don't give credit. Look, I give credit to Liz Cheney, who in the end probably threw away a career, though. What, you know, thank you for standing up for the Constitution, which you're supposed to um, and, and decided to vote for impeachment and go after Donald Trump. She said something and she literally compared Ronna McDaniel for refusing to criticize him on the Sunday shows to a Nazi collaborator. And she used the word Nazi. Um, which I, I, so you get some of that. I just wish more of them. I mean, the fact that that, that Mitt Romney, he's still sitting in office right now, even though he's told us he's not running for reelection. It would make a much bigger deal if he endorsed Joe Biden right now than later. And he could even say, look, I don't even like Joe Biden's policies. I disagree with most of them. I think most of them are, you know, are wrong. But in the end, this is about American democracy. and I don't understand why these folks especially the ones who know they're leaving, can't do that. Kinzinger just did that, but he's gone already. I mean, you know, it, would, it really would help if people, while they were in office, would do this.
0: Well, and I was, okay, so I was at the World War II Museum in New Orleans on Veterans Day. And one of the segments in there, and by the way, if you've not gone, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. They have a, a section on the, the, how the American government rounded up the Japanese people and put them into concentration camps. And one of the things which was really very hard to hear was some of the people in their stories of, you know, they were kicked out of their house. And before they were even driven away, their neighbors were ransacking their house and pulling all their stuff out and taking it. And I think we are kind of at a point here again where where guys like, you know, Johnny Boflex from Oklahoma in the Senate – and, uh, and and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're really exposing this right-wing id where it's a, I'm upset with my life. My life hasn't worked out. I look at other people. I wish I had their stuff. Why is my life a curse? Oh, I'll just, as opposed to trying to make their life better, I think that there's this, well, I'm going to punish the people I disagree with ideologically, and yep. then I'm going to. I'll keep my health, uh, my, my Medicare, my medic, my my uh, uh, my Social Security. I'll keep that. They can't have it. And and we're going to round them up to make sure that they're not liberals because liberals are like commies. And oh by the way, I'll get to ransack their house too while they're in the camp. I I kind of think that this is the reason why all this is happening. Is there's this hyper aggression within the right where they just they 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 are at the point where they so desperately don't want to look in the mirror and say i'm the problem that they're to the point where okay fine let's just round up all the people we like and then I'll just take all their stuff and I'll be successful that way
1: yeah I mean look you need a psychiatrist to figure to figure it all out but I mean that's for a good reason I mean these you know numerous books have been written on this i mean it it it's resentment it's class envy it's you know lbj's once famous phrase and this applies to more than just these two groups now but you know, what he always said about Republicans, as long as they could make the the lowest white man feel like he was above the highest black man, then they would win his vote. And but now extend that to women and Jews and Muslims and liberals, LGBTQ community liberals. But you know, it's they're driven by resentment and hatred. And, and you're exactly right, because it's complete hypocrisy. It has nothing to do with their stated beliefs. We need to cut spending. And as I said earlier, you know, they're 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 grabbing hand over fist PPP loans. They're refusing to pay back, and they're taking their Social Security. They're taking their their Medicare. They're taking farm subsidies in cases where they often they often don't even deserve to get them based on their farms. Like they'll take any government money they can get their grubby hands on. But but if you're an immigrant or you're you know somebody else, they'll attack the hell out of you. And again, it's hatred. It's resentment. It it comes from a place of self-loathing that they're not in the station they wanted to be in life. They haven't achieved what they thought they would achieve, whether it's financially, whether it's lack of respect from their peers, whether it's failing relationships, whatever it might be. And instead of looking inward, instead of trying to improve their lives, as long as they can feel better than the others out there, the highest, you know, of the others out there in their low position, they're good. Mm -hmm. And the Republican Party plays in that, you know, beautifully. And it used to be that it was just the Republican Party playing into it for campaigns and faking it, right? They would open Pandora's box and think they could shut it again. The problem is, is that not only did they radicalize people, they and their media along the way to believe this garbage, but then those the people they radicalized started running for office themselves. And what do you know? Ted Cruz and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates started winning. Because once you've radicalized all of their constituents to be as insane as they are, that's who they want to send people just like them. And here we are.
0: Well, it, it, it's you're spot on as always, man, you're spot on. And it it does make me concerned because I do think this is going to get worse before it gets better. I think it will get better, but I think that, you know, it is, you can see where this is going right now. And I think it's going to have to take something very shocking and something that even republicans will have to condemn for them to basically start saying okay we need to wake up from this and uh, hopefully that comes by the way i want to make sure i mentioned uh, your your youtube channel's been exceptional lately you have been out Thank there you. putting out tons of new content uh, which that's one thing I like. I mean, it's almost a video a day for you at this point. Even sometimes I think it's more. Yeah. yeah, it's you're 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 putting out great content, tons of it, and you're just spot on. Your analysis is spot on every damn time, man.
1: Well, thank you. Do you like the jokes too? Because we fit those in there when we can.
0: All right, I'll send you some notes. <laughs> no, 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 the jokes are good. the jokes are good. No, the jokes are I'm, I'm good. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the jokes are good. You. I'm
1: doing it as much as possible. We just uh, we just broke thirty thousand subscribers. Nice, which is pretty exciting. So, let's uh, you know, it's for anybody who wants to come by. It's just it, well, you can actually see it. I think if you're watching here, but if you're not watching, it's C Schechter, Um at, you know youtube.com c schecter c s c h e c t e r please come by and join we are gonna we do put out videos every day some days two a day uh we're trying to you know there's too much out there when you've got four different fights going on in republican congress and we got to cover all of them when Ma- kevin mccarthy is sucker punching what's his face yeah, we, the we didn't even get to that we didn't even get to Over that what's his face are yelling at each other and marjorie taylor green is is, is trying to insult Rosa DeLauro by calling her 80. And then Rosa DeLauro is reminding Marjorie Taylor Greene there's actually a House and a Senate uh, and a president for a bill to go through. Like how many different, uh, you know, I could do 20 videos a day and not cover it all.
0: You're doing a fantastic job covering a lot of it there. I'll make sure I link to everything on social media. One v- real quick, final thing. Bengals win tomorrow night versus the Ravens.
1: I have to go with yes because yeah, yeah. it's our season. If we, I mean, we had a close game with the Texans and we lost it and we should have won it after beating San Francisco and Buffalo. And, like, this is it. I mean, if we, we lose this one, I would say that that we're we're in deep trouble. Right. So I'm going to go with we win.
0: All righty. Cliff Schechter, once again, uh, the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I'll link to everything a little bit later on. Cliff, my show is better when you're on it, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time.
1: Thanks a lot, my friend. Take Thanks care. Thanks for having me.
0: Cliff Schechter, outstanding today. Outstanding every day. And if you are not on his YouTube channel, you're just wrong. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. I I just texted Cliff. It did not take him long to go from 20K to 30K on YouTube. I mean, that was, I don't. I don't know when he was. I think it was right maybe early summer. He was at 20K. Now he's at 30K. That's pretty good, man. That's doubling up here pretty quick. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Patrick, how are you My today, my friend? Doing well. How are you? All right. Have you been outside at all, man? Little bit, yeah. Spectacular. nice day out. Oh, it's so nice for all my leaves to come down after the city has uh, decided to stop picking them up for free. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, they they all came down yesterday, and yesterday was really windy. So there's no way in the world. I, have you ever tried to blow leaves in the in a windy day? I have not. Unless you're just taking it into your neighbor's yard, just <laughs> there's, there's you know, which I I you know yeah I'm not against, but no it is it's yeah I couldn't do anything yesterday, and that yesterday was the last day I'll pick them up in my neighborhood. So great now i gotta go haul them someplace it, and it,
1: it is really weird last night
0: i went outside you know it's pitch dark outside and it's still 60 degrees and i'm like this this, this is, is not- this feels like new orleans it feels like <laughs> new orleans right now so uh i hope it, you know it's not normal you know people's like well you're little really afraid of it i'm really afraid of it if you want to know the truth but it is it is kind of uh, nice to get out there and maybe get those last leaves up here without having to be in a full winter gear Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. So a lot to talk about today. First of all, let's get uh, to talk about hell is empty and all the devils are here. again. this is the uh, performing over at the Luminary Arts Center. We have, of course, been giving away tickets to this. You can, first of all, if you want a chance at winning, Go to AM950's Facebook page. There is a post from today, from today, where you can make a comment on that post, all right? And all the people that make the comment on that post today on AM950 on Facebook, you'll be entered in and one will randomly be picked to get a, a pair of tickets to Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here Again that is uh, once again at the Luminary Art Center. This is for Thursday night show. It's for Thursday night show, and that's Queer Night Out. Uh, there's going to be a, um, um, a, a a social hour at six p.m. and performances at seven. So you know, cool. You want to enjoy that. So that that's one way you can one way you can get tickets uh, for that. Um the other side of it is right here on AM 950. As a matter of fact, let's do this, Patrick, right now. Uh, I got a pair of tickets to caller number five right now, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Caller number five, you're going to win a pair of tickets to Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here again. This is over once again to the Luminary Art Center. This is for Thursday night, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, so please give us a call, 952-946-6205, caller number five. You're going to win yourself a pair of tickets. Good luck on that. Um, let's talk a little bit about this fascism thing. And maybe it, because I am a little bit more, uh, it, 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 yeah. I came off that World War II museum in New Orleans and obviously, one of the things that is very clear is you're dealing with fascist dictators. You know, it, it, the the it was fascism. Germany was a fascist leader with Hitler. Mussolini was a fascist leader in Italy. They were one person basically controlling all their own government Japan, uh, in Japan. It was, it was 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 you know uh, you know a dictator. You know, you you have one person controlling the entire population and that who is who the enemy was and it's it's very stark that no that wasn't you know what we were all about at all in the united states yet there were plenty of people who were you know definitely especially pre pearl harbor that were you know of the mindset that You know, we should not go in. If we should not go into the war, or if we do go in the war, um, that it would be better if we went on the side of Germany. Which, yeah, that's not good. Uh, Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh. I mean, there is a reason why, and I said this very briefly yesterday, but this is once again comes from my visit to the World War II Museum. They actually have him featured pretty predominantly in in a few of the exhibits about him basically, you know, advocating for Germany, advocating for isolationism. And he tried really hard after the war where, where, where basically when it became clear what exactly had happened to the Jewish people that the Germans had rounded up, he really tried. I, I mean, I was more, you know. He tried to explain his isolationism under the argument that if we got involved in the war, that the United States was such a massive power that we would have leveled all the the armies of Europe and then Russia would have run right in. That's really, that's not, no, that's not what he was doing. Um, The Hugh Wilson, the American ambassador to Germany, hosted a dinner for Lindbergh with Germany in 1938. Um, the three figures of German air aviation was there at this dinner. Goring presented Lindbergh with the commander cross to the order of the German Eagle. Lindbergh acceptance became controversial when only a few weeks afterwards, the visit, the Nazi party carried out Kristallnacht. The nationwide anti-Jewish program now considered the key inaugurating event of the Holocaust. Lindbergh declined to return the medal, writing, it seems to me that the returning of the decorations which were given to me at a time of peace as a gesture of friendship can have no constructive effect <laughs> yeah sure um You know the, the even at the war if war develops between us I cannot see you know getting indulging a splitting contest before that war begins regarding this Ambassador Wilson later wrote to Lindbergh neither you nor I nor any other American president had any previous hint that the presentation would be made I've always felt that you would refu- uh, refuse if you refuse the decoration presented under the circumstances you've been guilty of breach of good taste uh, no I don't think so. Um Lindbergh's reaction to Kristallnacht was entrusted into his diary. I do not understand these riots and part of the Germans, he wrote. It seems contrary to their sense of order and intelligence, they have undoubtedly had a difficult, quote, Jewish problem. But why is it necessary to handle it so unreasonably? Later, though, many would note the carefully ordered the fashion in which the Holocaust was carried out, with Jews identified, shipped to concentration camps, and most of them murdered. Lindbergh had planned to move to Berlin. He did not. He did become part of the uh, uh, America First Committee, Um, you know, basically in this isolationist group, but very anti-Semitic at the same time. And, you know, I can belong to some kind of local community group. Um, And I don't want to mention it because (laughs) say that there was the America Better uh, organization. And... You know, they, 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 you know, you say to yourself, they're a civic group that, that raises funds for parks and for kids. Oh, sounds good. Oh, by the way, and they hate um, the LGBTQ population. Well, that's the end of that. I'm not going to be part of that organization. Because at the end of the day, America Better is more in time to America Better, you know, that sort of thing. And it, it, it's, you know, so you can basically you know, argue this all day long. It wasn't really a secret. There were some bad things going on in Germany, as he himself said in his own diary about Kristallnacht. I mean, it was clear what was going on and yet he, you know, at no point. Um, Following Hitler's invasion of Czechoslovakia, Poland, Lindbergh opposed sending aid to countries under threat, writing, I do not believe that repeating the arms embargo would assist democracy in Europe. We repeal the arms democracy. Lindbergh was the first choice for Albert Einstein when he – nine years earlier in New York to deliver the Einstein-Slazard letter alerting Roosevelt to the vast potential of, a, of, of German nuclear fusion uh, – fission, rather. He basically refused to help Einstein on that. Um Following uh, the outbreak of hostilities between Britain and Germany, and a month after the Canadian declaration of war in Germany, Lindbergh made another nationwide radio address criticizing Canada for drawing the Western Hemisphere into a Europe war simply because they prefer the crown of England to the independence of the Americas. Uh, Lindbergh went on to further state his opinion that the entire continent and its surrounding islands need to be free from the dictates of European powers. Uh, November uh, 1939, Lindbergh authored controversial reader digest article, which he deplored the war, but asserted the need for a German assault on the Soviet Union. He wrote, "Our civilization depends on peace being among Western nations, and therefore the United strength for peace is virgin who dare uh, is a virgin who dare not show her face without strength her uh, her father for protection." So basically, you know, you know, cheering on Germany. In late 1940, Lindbergh became the spokesperson for the isolationist American First Community, soon speaking to overloan crowds of Madison Square Garden and Chicago's Soldier Field with millions listening by radio. He argued emphatically that America had no business attacking Germany. Now, I want to make sure we understand something. This is really candy coating it. This was a pro-German group. They did. They did not want the United States in there, not because they really gave a rat's caboose about America, but they were looking out for Germany. And that's the big difference here. And they were atrociously anti-Semitic. They did not like the Jews. Not too much of a coincidence here. And he was part of this group. Like I said, I find out I'm part of a group. I find out that that's their stance. I'm not part of that group anymore. And if they gave me any freaking medals, I'd throw them on the ground and say, you know, screw you. I probably wouldn't say that. I'd probably say something a little more colorful with more flair. But, you know, that's me. In April of 1941, he argued before 30,000 members of the American First Committee that the British government has the has one last desperate plan to persuade and send another American expeditionary force to Europe and share with england uh military as well as financially the fiasco of the war in nineteen forty one testimony before the House Committee on Foreign Affairs opposing the lend lease bill. Lindbergh proposed that the United States negotiate a neutrality pact with Germany. President Roosevelt publicly cried Lindbergh's views as those of a defeatist and an appeaser comparing comparing here to u s representative uh, Clement Waldenheim, who had led the Copperhead movement, opposed to the American Civil War. Following this, um, Lindbergh resigned his colonel's commission in the U.S. Army Corps on April 28th in 1941, writing that he saw no honorable alternative given that Roosevelt had publicly questioned his loyalty the next day. Well, and you, you sure threw it down. By the way, funny story. Uh, when you found out what the Germans were doing with Kristallnacht, you kept that medal. But all of a sudden, Roosevelt criticizes you and I'm going to resign my commission. All right. I think we can see where Lindbergh's going here. Uh, At the American First Rally in September, uh, Lindbergh accused the groups of pressing the country towards war, the British, the Jewish, and the Roosevelt administration – it is not difficult to understand what Jewish people desire, the overthrow of Nazi Germany. Uh, basically, he, he goes on to saying, I'm not attacking either the Jewish or the British people, both races I admire, but I'm saying the leaders of both the British and the Jewish races for reasons which are understandable for their viewpoint are the inadvisable from ours for reasons which are non American. By the way, it should be noted that at this point, and it's fascinating, once again, go to the World War II Museum in uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, New Orleans if you get the chance because they talk about 1940 and, and, and 41 extensively where, you know, the, the initial polls were like 70% of people did not want us in the war. But even before Pearl Harbor, that had changed. And by the time you get to September of 1941, a vast majority, the majority of people, like 56% of the population, did want to start intervening on behalf of Britain. And so... If you notice, his tone has changed. It's like, hey, I have nothing against the British. Yeah, sure. Um, His message was popular throughout many northern communities, especially well received in the Midwest, while the American South was uh, supportive of the pro-British policy at the time. The South was the most pro-British and interventionist party in the country, responding to criticism um, of his speech and Lindbergh left felt that the speech might have tarnished Lindbergh's reputational unjustly. Um, Lindbergh's anti communism resonated deeply with Americans, while his pro eugenics views on Nordic- Nordicism enjoyed social acceptance. His speeches and writings reflected his adoption of views on race, religion, and eugenics similar to those of the German Nazis. He was suspected of being a Nazi sympathizer. However, during a speech in September of 41, Lindbergh stated, no person with a sense of dignity in mankind can have known the persecution of the German race in Germany. I think he was – I think the rest of the world was figuring it out. He was trying to paint his his hate with a little bit of of color to make it more appeasable. Um, Lindbergh uh, stated – or seemed to state that he believed the survival of the white race was more important than the survival of democracy in Europe – Our bond with Europe is one of of, of race and not political ideology, he declared. Critics have noticed an apparent influence of Lindbergh on German philosopher uh, Oswald Spengler. Uh, Spengler was conservative, authoritarian, popular with the interwar period, uh, falling out of favor with the Nazis because he would not wholly subscribe to the theory of racial purity. Uh, Lindbergh developed a long-term friendship with automobile Henry Ford, pioneer Henry Ford, who is also well-known for his anti-Semitic newspaper, The Dearborn Independent. The famous comment about Lindbergh to Detroit's former FBI field office PLA, special agent in charge in July 1940, Ford said, uh, When Charles comes out here, we only talk about the Jews. Okay. Lindbergh, okay, I think we have got the point. I know you've gone with Terminal 1, Terminal 2. You need to yank. Make sure there's nothing out on that airport that says Lindbergh on it anymore. You you know. (sighs) Yes, he did fly the spirit of St. Louis across the Atlantic. Great. Yeah, it was an accomplishment at that time. But much like the slave owners who were part of the founding fathers running up until the civil war just like the politicians who might have done one or two nice things for the town but also were very much against um you know getting rid of segregation in the south in the 40s and 50s and the 60s you have to paint the picture completely and at the end of the day, Lindbergh, he had some pretty atrocious views. So like Columbus, who, and, and well, I mean, I'll say this, Columbus, there's no reason in the world to freaking put Columbus up anywhere. I mean, he wasn't the first one here. He didn't discover squat. He was a horrible human being. he He, he kidnapped you know, nine and 10 year old native girls and sold them as sex currency. You might find some glimmer of something positive, slightly positive in someone's record, but if you put a statue up to them. You put their name on something. You're embracing their entire agenda. And Lindbergh kept did everything after the after Pearl Harbor. He, he frantically tried to hey, I'm really on the side of the good guys here. I'm not against this, and especially after the fact, he he tried to really change what he was saying into something else. No, it, we we can we have the transcripts. If Lindbergh's name is on anything in this state, it needs to come off of it. Sure, you want to put something in a museum that talks about him? Fine, do so, but do so under the argument that you need to tell the whole story. But that aside, we put people's names on buildings and statues up for them to honor them. And trust me, you start looking into Lindbergh, there's not a lot to honor there. All right. All right. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Jeff, hold on. I'll get your call here in a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Congratulations to Jennifer from Bloomington for winning uh, a pair of tickets to go see Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here Again. That's on Thursday night at Luminary Arts Center. I got another pair to give away next hour. Also, reminder, you can go to the AM 950 Facebook page. There's a post there. If you make a comment on that post, you'll be entered in to possibly win. Uh, a pair of tickets as well. We'll do that drawing a little bit later on, uh, this, uh, next hour coming up here later on the show. You have to make that comment by four forty-five this afternoon by four forty-five today. All right. All right. Jeff is in Cambridge. Wanted to chime in. Welcome on in Jeff.
1: Yeah. You're talking about the, uh, Lindbergh and the America first movement. Um, Rachel Maddow has a fantastic podcast. Uh, it's called ultra and she goes into, well, there's a Minnesota Senator that was involved in all of these officials that were uh, being funded by the Nazi party. Actually, yeah. And, and, um, and what they did and, and stuff to, uh, you know, to really screw up the, the war effort. So uh, yeah, Jeff,
0: I've got the book coming tomorrow. I actually ordered, I went out, I mean, you and I are simpatico, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. No, I ordered the book. I'm going to read that book myself about that because, and one of the truth is, it's fascinating that all this seems to be coming out. At, like I said, I was at the World War II Museum in New Orleans, New Orleans and I and I learned a lot about Lindbergh. And then I did hear the Smartless podcast episode where Rachel Maddow was talking, and they were talking about this as well. I'm like, I gotta, yeah, I gotta spend more time on this one. You have to look at people's reactions at the time. Lindbergh was clearly taking the side of Hitler. And the Nazis. And there's plenty of evidence he was an anti-Semitic jerk. There is. There is. And as much as he tried after the fact to re, you know, do a revisionist history on his comments and his stances, the reality is they speak pretty loudly for the time that they were there. And the fact that the World War II Museum points to him directly and that Rachel Maddow can point to him directly. Which is why I'm going to back to what Cliff and I talked about earlier. You got a president right now who's, like I said, he's not quite Hitler, but he's trying to be Hitler, Hitler Jr., because he's talking about making concentration camps and rounding people up and getting vermin and and basically never leaving office. These are things. He, he compares himself to Hitler all the freaking time. Which leads me to ask the question of Tom Emmer and Pete Stubby Stauber and Michelle Fischbach and um, the beaver down in the one. I, I, who is that guy again? Kitchener. Kitchener? The beave. Down in Minnesota one. Here's the question I have to ask you guys. Where's your condemnation? Now, before you do what the Republican talking points are and say, Hillary Clinton called us deplorables and you're upset about this? Well, Hillary Clinton didn't say, I'm going to make up a a concentration camp and put all the deplorables in a concentration camp. She didn't say that. Donald Trump and Stephen Miller are currently saying this. They're embracing totalitarianism, fascism, one-on-one. They are becoming a really dangerous thing and you four clown cars just sit there and say nothing. Legitimate leaders don't sit there and say I don't want the Nazis to be against me in the polls. You know what? Screw the Nazis. Grow a spine you four and come on out and condemn fascism where your party is going. Do it now. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday. Good to have you with us today. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. A superstar stellar guest day. Jack Rice is kind enough to join us right now to talk about some legal issues. The best criminal defense attorney in St. Paul, Minneapolis, Minnesota, hands down. Jack Rice Defense, that's at jackricelaw.com, jackricelaw.com. Uh, if you, you have a case, sit down, talk with him. He'll give you a straight talk there, and I, I 100% uh, stand by Jack. He is fantastic on this, and he's also sensational on TV because you've been doing a lot of court TV lately.
2: Yeah, yeah Matt, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, it, I, just, I just squeeze it in, you know what I mean? It's like, so, for instance, right before I left, I'm in Atlanta right now, for court TV, I, I'm in, I'm in court tomorrow morning, so I'm flying out as soon as this is done. I was in court right before I left. I just had a, like this little tiny window, and they're like, "Can you come down?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay," because there's good food down here too. So, oh yeah, I mean, I'm a you know how it goes. I mean, come <laughs> on, that just pulls me in. I
0: get sucked in easy. I'm, just, I'm serious. I'm seriously, I my, my vacations are now planned on what I can eat when I'm there.
2: <laughs> well, what does it say when people ask you, how was your vacation? It says, oh, well, you should tell you about this one dinner I had. Yep. And I worked my way from meal to meal. I don't know how that happened in my life, but for whatever reason, when I prioritize, I can tell you I've traveled around the world. and I'll say, I, you can't believe the pho that I had here. Oh my gosh, those sprinkles were fantastic oh. when I was eating this. Yeah, it's stupid, but
0: there it is. You and I will need to do a South Korean Seoul street food tour. I, I'm all for that. I want to do that before too long. I'm in. All right. I'm in.
2: All right. Well, I, I, I mean, it. by the way, I, I mean, there's some places just in St. Paul, I can take you when it comes to that uh, issue. We can go over on university. We can go up rice street. There's a bunch of friends of mine. Uh, it's like some of the food. You just got to know where to look. Uh-huh. And you're like, wow, that's really good.
0: I'm going to take you up on that for sure. 100% my friend. Uh, there has been obviously the case. I want to talk about legal issue in Britain. First, uh and this is a case of Adam Johnson, the UMD hockey player, NHL player, uh tragically killed when a skate blade caught him in the neck uh and and died basically on the ice and in the arena. There has been an arrest in that case. Now what's interesting about this I am I am not a hockey mind. I I don't play hockey. I defer to a lot of people that know hockey better than I and it is a bit of a you know some people one person thinks he indeed did try to hit him in the neck in the head neck area with his blade. A lot of people say it just looks like incidental contact. It doesn't go on, but the British police have made an arrest here and plan on charging I think it's manslaughter in England on the player who uh, whose blade, well, it's not, I don't think it's known for sure, but Matt Petgrave is the player whose blade hit uh, Johnson in the neck. So I guess the question starts there. What, what did First of all, your thoughts on this case overall, because I, I don't think this would be a case to get charged in the United States.
2: Well, that is an interesting question, Matt. See, that's part of what makes this kind of wild. So we have to go back to October 28th, and what we have is is a guy who was an enforcer and he was known by some as as and this is the term you will hear a dirty player but the real question is this what ended up happening is this happened on the ice with Petgrave's skate actually coming up all the way to the level of Johnson's neck slices his neck he bleeds out and so the question is what do you do in a case like this they charged Petgrave with, and they're not saying this, but it's Petgrave because he's the one who did it, Yes. Um, with manslaughter. The thing is, that is not an intentional charge. So in other words, he doesn't have to have intended to kill him. This is just goes with essentially a gross negligence, a really recklessness. The thing is, is actually the standard in Minnesota could actually be lower for an involuntary manslaughter, which is only recklessness. The reason this is interesting to me is that in many ways we see incredible violence in sports all the time. And the question becomes, does this have the possibility of opening up the question of having law enforcement essentially walk onto a football field, walk onto the pitch, walk onto an ice rink if you see somebody who intentionally goes and do something? Because we would never say... Let's face it, I'm a football player, I can walk onto a field, I can pull out a gun and shoot somebody in the face during the game. Can I do that? Clearly not. No. But the question is, Is what would happen if I walked onto a field and I purposely hit somebody in the knees because I wanted to take them out? How about that? Is, is that appropriate? Or is that something that somebody signs up for when they become a football player? I'm allowed to commit a crime against somebody and because I, I, I play football. That doesn't really quite make sense either, but generally law enforcement stays off the field. So in this case, they made a decision to charge Petgrave with manslaughter. And that's a wild decision because it opens up this broader question of people who overstep the line, who do things on the field. And this isn't even an intentional act.
0: (laughs) The uh, Todd Bertuzzi, I don't know if you remember him. I think it was a Vancouver Canucks game in Canada. He drove the guy's face into the ice and and basically ended his career. Uh, you could see him smiling as he did it. Once again, held accountable. He actually was, was charged in Canada uh, under that law. And I heard multiple people once again say that if that was in the United States, it probably wouldn't have happened because most the prosecution would have looked at it in a sense being that, well, that's just part of the game that you signed up for.
2: Well, but see, that's a great question. And again, I would defer to people who are, who are huge fans of this in terms of how they see it in that. But, but tell me this, first of all, in every, in every criminal statute, there is no exclusion for sports. Yeah, right? exactly. there isn't. There's yeah, nothing yeah, right. in there that says, except for what, if I'm playing football. Uh, so, so that is true. Uh, But at the same time, when I sign up for the violence that happens inside of a a football game, am I also saying that on a football field, anybody can do anything they want because it's justified? And if they can't, where is the line? What happens if somebody says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take somebody out. Because I can. Is there a distinction between saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after this quarterback, just as he lets go of the ball, and I'm gonna take him in the head, and I've been, I'm gonna, am gonna take his career, and I want him out forever." Is that just something? Say, well, you know, you're out for the game, and we're gonna find you fifty grand, or is this something that not only has this destroyed this guy's career, your intention was to destroy this guy's career, and this is actually a criminal act? Mm-hmm. And I and I bring that up because. That's really what they're talking about when it applies to Adam Johnson. And for people who aren't hockey fans, Adam Johnson is from Hibbing. Adam Johnson uh, played for UMD. Adam Johnson is former NHL. And now he was playing in Great Britain when uh, he was hit, when his, his neck was slashed, and frankly, when he died on the 28th of October. So this is a local boy question, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm. The when you look at this, obviously, I'm guessing from what you've described in in the manslaughter charge over there, that if they had with with Petgrave, the if there was a intent, if they had found uh, I'm going to bring my skate up and I'm going to try to, you know, if if I get the chance, I'm going to try to hit the guy in the head just to try to give him a cut or if it's, it's something that he's done before. It sounds like you you're, you could make an argument that they probably wouldn't have charged man, uh, manslaughter. They probably would have gone with a more, a more harsher charge because there would seem to be some level of intent there. Is that a safe way to say that? Yes. Yeah, okay.
2: Yes, I, I, I think that that's true. I mean, again, I'm going to the extreme. I walk onto the ice and I pull out a gun and I shoot somebody in the head. That's a murder charge, right? Well, what happens if I pull out a knife and I stab him in the neck? Well, that's a murder charge. But what happens if I take my skate and I purposely slash at their neck with it? I make contact and they bleed out because of it. Well, that's a murder charge. And frankly, why wouldn't it be? Because if the intent was to actually do that, that's why you charge first or second degree murder. That's that's how it works in criminal law. In this case, they're simply saying we don't believe he intended to murder somebody, but when they looked at the videotape, and people have different opinions on this, I think their argument was, when, he, when Matt uh, was hit, he lifted his leg and he kicked very high up into the chest and neck area of, uh, of Johnson. So I'm not, not, not low, not at his knees, not even at his waist. This went way up and he kicked at him. And there are some who say this should not be a manslaughter charge. This was actually an attempted murder charge. I think they decided we don't see the intent here, but this certainly was uh, negligence or gross negligence. And it, that's and, what makes it interesting.
0: And you bring, and, and like I said, and you bring up the point about where do we go with this? I mean, last night Ed, the T Wolves took on the Golden State Warriors. Dramon Green. Uh, w- was choking Rudy Colbert. I mean, he put him in a full, you know, WWE neck lock and pulled him back. And, you know, pretty much you know, an incredibly aggressive thing. Got, the guy got thrown out. Green got thrown out of the game. But if all of a sudden he had, you know, broken a bone in his neck or crushed his windpipe, now all of a sudden we're looking at something very different. And I think that the question then comes is, where is that delineation line? I mean, the, 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 the coaches eventually got Green to let him go. And, you know, he was thrown out of the game. But, I mean, you choked a guy. You I mean, you choked a guy on a court in the game. I, I, is it too hard to expect that maybe then the police do get involved in something like that?
2: See, I think that is ultimately the question. I mean, let's face it. We know uh, when... When guys are fighting on the ice and whatever, you can think that makes sense or you can think that's stupid, and I I guess I defer to other people on that. It strikes me that when you're playing with the pros, and because that's what is acceptable behavior, and apparently even, even uh, all the refs are fine with that to some degree, I think you sign up for that. That's, that's part of what you sign up for. And that is sort of, the, if you want to call that the hockey exception, I mean, it's nothing in the law, but it is something that basically says, yeah, come on, you're kind of signing up for it. But if I'm playing basketball, is there anything in the rules, any place in there that says, not only do I get to choke you, I get to hold on and keep choking you until all of the, of the coaches have to come and pull me off? Is there anything anywhere in any rule that says that that's cool? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if this weren't on uh, a, a court, would that be fine? And do you explain to me, if, if they go out to dinner after the fact and that happens, would you charge him with, with assault by strangulation? Would you charge him with something like that? Yeah. It's just an interesting thought in terms of where this could go next
0: uh jack rice kind enough to join us once again jack rice is the website you can find his uh find out about him and how to get in touch with him there so i want to turn directly over to trump because i haven't had you on with all these charges and all these cases down in atlanta they're flipping like cirque de soleil down there uh on that case but uh, i, I want to go up to the case in new york the fraud trial because he's he's filed that trump has filed uh a a, a mistrial um uh, mo- uh, motion because he says the judge there, I guess, was too friendly with his clerk or was talking to his clerk too much, uh, and and that that that's not allowed. I mean, what what is that? I mean, is there something there in his justification? I'm going to presume judges talk to their clerks during trials, correct? Yeah, yeah, they they
2: certainly do. I mean, let's start, if you will, just because I'm in Atlanta, just just go with me for just. a second. <laughs> Please do, please. There, there, he, he has a whole lot of trials that are coming up. He's got a lot of very busy things ahead of him. Does Donald Trump? But the one in Atlanta is the one that he needs to be afraid of. Truly, that's yeah. the one he needs to be afraid of more than any of the others. And the reason is, is because the DA down here has a lot of experience handling RICO cases. And why that matters in this particular instance is because RICO in in Atlanta, where I am right now, in Georgia is like RICO for the feds on steroids. When they started RICO, this was designed to go after the mob. And, and that's how they were using it. But what they did is Georgia took it, and they, they actually cranked it up and put it on steroids. And she has actually prosecuted multiple people of RICO very, very successfully. So she has a ton of experience with it. And so when you're talking about them going after Donald Trump down here, it is a much different animal than you see in most other places. Now you add, as you said, the Cirque du Soleil aspect of this, where they just had three of his lawyers flip on him because they just pled guilty. But the biggest part is they pled guilty to their own crimes, but they also agreed to testify against the president. Now you have his own lawyers and a whole ton of other people Every single one has flipped who ultimately is facing trial because they recognize the avalanche of not just evidence that they have, but now somebody who's really, really good at prosecuting them for the very crimes they face. And the problem that Donald Trump has is he had a very good lawyer down here, and that lawyer, this is according to some scoba that I have from a lot of people I know in this city, and this where I am right now, uh, who were telling him some things that he wasn't happy about. So he kept firing his lawyers because he was telling, they were telling him the truth, and he didn't want the truth. He wanted something else. So you just keep firing people till you get what you want. Well, guess what? He may get what he wants, but it's not going to be what he really wants. Well, now, let's move on. Well, to and can, can
0: I ask one thing about <laughs> Jenna Ellis down there? Because when I see her and the way she is acquiescing right now, you just said it. I mean, it does seem like she has the goods on them. Are you surprised by the amount of people who have already taken plea deals? Or would no. you? Are, no, and, no, 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 Matt. Matt, man.
2: I am not. Not okay. even close. <laughs> right. In fact, I think the power of what she has down here. Is quite extraordinary and when you take a look at the, the amount of, of information that she has when I'm talking about documents and emails and text messages and all that and, and you get some of the things that have been coming out now as a result when we had Donald Trump saying that well, at least one of his lawyers saying she, they claim that she he was she was never his lawyer and that was all part of the, the line except for now when that information is coming out she is saying in these messages Yep, he was calling me all the time for legal advice on these issues and specifically calling me his lawyer, and I was absolutely his lawyer. These are her words. Yeah, This is what she's saying. And so all of that's going to basically come back and bite Donald Trump because the idea of saying, I don't know what these guys were doing. No, he knew exactly what they were doing, and they're going to lay every single piece of this out for a jury when Donald Trump runs. And they expect this thing to run into sometime in 2024, certainly into 2025. And he, this is going to go nonstop between now and that. So that all the way to up through the election, it's going to be wild.
0: All right. And, and so, and then just because I know you, we are tight on time. Let's briefly on, on New York here, um, the, the, the Kirk, the clerk mistrial movement here that, so you don't feel as if there's anything there that's going to give the, Trump any toehold on a, in an argument? Nothing.
2: Nothing at all. In fact, they're making all the arguments they've been making the entire time. Yeah, they're not real happy with just how this is going. What the judge has already determined in this case is that fraud took place. Yes. That's already done. That, that ship has already sailed. The only question is how much. And the real problem is is that Donald Trump and his quote-unquote empire is going to be run out on a rail because they're not going to allow them to operate in New York anymore. This is the, the economic, if you will, epicenter of the planet And when you're actually saying you can't operate here at all that is quite extraordinary so we see that the claims that the president is making in this 250 million dollar civil fraud trial simply don't hold any water and and the problem is is you're arguing to the judge that the judge uh, is, is making the mistakes to the judge and the judge gets to decide whether he was i can tell you from a lot of experience in front of judges most judges even if they were doing something wrong, not that he is, they generally never say, "Oh yeah, you got me, Gotti." No, 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 they don't got it. You know what I mean? You don't go. Com- I think you don't that's, com- a le- that's a legal description. It's has it. you, you, know? you, you don't. You
0: don't complain about a strike you. in a baseball game because no umpire is going, on. "Oh, you were right. I, that was a that was a ball." No, that's yeah, like,
2: ah, oh, you got me. You know, I thought we were going to slide that one through. No, no, okay, like, you got me. Oh, there. Yeah, that's I, I, not been my experience
0: either. I've heard some rumors that he might be looking for a deal. Uh, in New York. is Have you heard anything on that? No way. No? Nope. No way.
2: No, no. I mean, I, I'm sorry if we take a look at, at what Donald Trump is. And he usually has. I mean, he, he finds a way to, to, to ultimately uh, avoid this. He's been very, very successful at crushing anybody around him just by just sheer weight. And he's done that in the past in terms of lawsuits. The problem that he has here is that these people have unlimited amounts of money. I'm, I'm, this is, they have more money because they can. They just keep going. When you're actually fighting the government, the government has more money than everybody, and they don't contemplate the expense of doing that. That's the difference then, that I think we haven't seen. He's been sued so many times by individuals who can't survive the fight. The, the difference now is the fight that he is he is facing is from people with unlimited coffers, and I mean the U.S. government, the government of Georgia other ones in D.C. All of those issues are sitting out there for that reason, and that's a very difficult fight.
0: Uh, The best defense attorney in Minnesota is Jack Rice. Once again, jackricelaw.com, jackricelaw.com. If you have a case you want to talk to him, give him a call. Go to his website. He'll sit down with you, straight talk from him, and he's obviously – incredibly well-schooled on the legal aspects of all this stuff. So you're going to be in good hands with Jack. So jackricelaw.com. That's jackricelaw.com. Travel safe back from Atlanta, my friend.
2: Are you kidding? And all all of our our listeners can go out and have dinner with us. You and I, we (laughs) will just, we will travel the city, travel the state, and we're going to find the best walleye, the best pho, the best uh, spring rolls, the best pasta. Come on.
0: I tell you what, you come. I got some places on the west side. I'm going to bring you over to the west side here. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll get you uh, set up in a few places. All right.
2: Uh, let's make that happen. I'm
0: starving. <laughs> Jack Rice, thanks, Jack. I really appreciate it, my friend. See you, brother. Take care. Jack Rice, Jack Rice Defense. Once again, JackRiceLaw.com. Call him. Sit down. Talk with him. All right. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Matt McNeil Show. It was back He's too good, man. Jack Rice, outstanding, by the way. Uh, I would highly, I I would highly uh, um, uh, recommend if you do need a defense lawyer, give him a call. Uh JackRiceLaw.com. jackricelaw.com. I haven't talked that much about the UMD hockey player Adam Johnson getting uh, getting killed. Um, Because it seems tragic, I I will say this: I, I was surprised by the charges. But having Jack explain it, you have to understand that you know, like when when Bertuzzi got charged in Canada, you know, you're in a different country. I don't think either one of these cases would have be tried in the United States. I think they just shrug their shoulders and say that's part of the game, and that would be it but the reality and and what they would they would do is say if you want to file file a civil case against him take all the money they've got and that's just that the reality is is in in other countries they have laws and and it's it's kind of like you know you know vehicular manslaughter you know you you you're driving a car you say you you just you it's raining out you you can't you don't really have great visibility and you accidentally hit someone and kill them well um, regardless of whether or not you intended, you clearly didn't intend to do it. It was an accident, but there still is a consequence. Go go up to the, the shooting up in um, in Brooklyn Park or Brooklyn Center, rather in Brooklyn Center when that happened. Um, you know, you know, it was you know, yeah, it was an accident. I don't deny that it was an accident, but you still have a dead person at the end of the day, and you have to have someone be held accountable for that. You can't just shrug your shoulders and say, you know, you know, oopsie. You can't you can't do that. So, it, you know, obviously this is in I unless this person this 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 uh Pet Grave is the most heartless human being on the planet, um I have to imagine he feels no one feels worse about this whole thing than he does. Um, you know, in in regards to how the outcome of this happened that he feels bad that this is not what he in in in, in intention well, I guess I can't say that. I, I I guess I can't say that for this reason is I actually have a friend who is big in NHL and, and plays hockey. He's coached hockey. He said, I can't figure out why that leg was up there. He said uh, his first thought was he intentionally tried to hit him. So I, I don't know. I don't know at least there's going to be it, it sounds like there's going to be an attempt to get some sort of uh consequences there for that action there so 9529466205 9529466205 all right so you got about 15 minutes left to go to AM 950 radio on Facebook and make a comment on the uh, the the post there about hell is empty and all the devils are here again uh, we have another pair of tickets to give away right now, as a matter of fact. Let's do that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. This is Hell is Empty and All the Devils are Here Again at the Illuminary Art Center on North 1st Street in Minneapolis. It's for tomorrow night which is Queer Night there, which means there's going to be a social hour at 6 p.m., a performance at 7 p.m. If you would like to win yourself a pair of tickets, be caller number 5, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Caller number 5, you're going to win a pair of tickets to go enjoy that show. Good luck with that. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. on the Matt McNeil Show. Sandy and Fridley, Sandy, congratulations. You have won yourself a pair of tickets to go see Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here Again tomorrow night at the Luminary Arts Center. Uh, you got one more chance to win. Now, to to do that, if you want a chance to win, go to our Facebook page, AM 950 Radio on Facebook. That's AM 950 Radio on Facebook. Make a comment on today's post. You'll see it. It's obviously one that you have to make the comment on. Make the comment on today's post and all the people within about 10 minutes or so uh, that have made a comment on it will be entered in. We'll give one more pair away before the end of the show via the social media page on the Facebook side on AM 950 Radio. So go check it out and make a comment there, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. A little bit of an update on a story we covered earlier Uh, It was in in regards to Duluth – hello, Duluth. Haven't talked about you lately. Not since the election. Um, And this has to do with the the Duluth City Council. They had um, remote public commentary that was made and um, basically it was a – someone got in there and made a bunch of anti-Semitic comments there. And they're going to look into it. Well, they've come up with a new policy. Janet Kennedy has announced an end to remote public commentary at future city council meetings following a stream of anti-Semitic invective unleashed by speakers using pseudonyms when the body last convened. The council president noted that relatively few public speakers have participated using the council's online platform to date. And many of those that were there were from outside the community. To promote civil unity and focus on local participation. So let me get this right. Someone in, say, Baltimore is g- getting ready because they're going to go to the Duluth City Council meeting because I'm going to spread anti Semitism. Really? You are a loser. I mean, seriously, you are a freaking loser on a lot of levels. But the fact that that's your life that that's your existence, that you're, God, you hear me? I went out there and I said all these bad things about Jewish people. He <laughs> God, that's sad, man. This is why no one likes you when you're a virgin. Can I just make sure I mention that? I mean, it's, you know, we'll get to the fact that you're a bigoted jackass in a second, but, you know, you're wondering why you don't go out and hang out with friends. Well, because you're a jerk, all right? Uh, and of course you're anti-Semitic and yeah. jeez. I got well, heck, I mean, we had the, when when the George Floyd was killed, who who came into town and did a lot of the damage? Pe- not people from Minneapolis, although every Republican screamed, Yeah, it was only people from Minneapolis. Uh, excuse me. They actually said, It was only black people from Minneapolis. That was what they said. Yeah, so. Um, To promote civility civility and focus on local participation, the council has decided to discontinue the online public comments going forward, Kennedy said. Good call. She stressed that other lines of communication with the council remain open, including email, postal service, and the telephone channels. Kennedy also noticed that council chambers are accessible to people with disabilities and special accommodations can be arranged. So you can go to the city council meeting and in the open discussion time, you can make a comment. Ta-da! Freedom is ensured. We'll be making considerations and looking at this throughout my term over the next couple of months, but for now, that's where we're going to leave it, Kennedy said. After Kennedy had announced the decision Thursday night, First District Counselor Gary Anderson requested she clarify that the council as a whole had not agreed to the policy change. Sure thing, Gare. Jeez. Seriously, at what point, I mean, uh, hey, if someone wants to come in here and start screaming anti-Semitism, is it really our place to ta- say that's wrong? <sighs> Yeah, it is actually no. Yep, uh, we've we've conferred here. Yes, yes. You're horrible. No, it's not. If if it's a bunch of people from Baltimore and and Sacramento and Missoula, Montana, losers basically calling from their mothers' basements to basically spread anti-Semitic hate. Well, yeah, it is kind of your job. Kennedy confirmed that the change in policy had indeed been her decision made after consulting with several fellow councillors and city attorney Rebecca St. George. Kennedy explained that she did not talk to enough councillors to constitute a quorum so as to avoid violating Minnesota's open meeting law. Uh, Anderson acknowledged Kennedy's authority to institute the policy change and thanked her for the clarification. The meetings of the Duluth City Council members and the public are allowed to be three minutes at time to address councillors on pretty much any subject of their choice. Prior to the pandemic, the testimony needed to be made in person, but when the public meetings needed to be suspended due to health concerns, the council switched to a remote online platform, began allowing virtual commentary via that channel. As the pandemic ceased and in-person meetings resumed, at-large counselor Eric Forsman uh, who then served as a council president said that he decided to allow for both in-person remote public commentary at the time when many people f- still felt uneasy about sharing public spaces. But I mean, I, I think you know, hey, time and a place, you know, pandemic's going on, sure. I, I, I can see that. but it, if I can go back to onions and orchids, which God, I have been on this this radio station for 13 and a half years. If there's one thing I miss, it's onions and orchids, and if you don't remember this, the Mesabi Daily News up on the Iron Range used to have a segment called Onions and Orchids. And it was basically a an orchid was a, hey, a shout out to the VFW Women's Auxiliary for having a great luncheon the other day. Those cucumber sandwiches were delicious. That sort of thing. The onions were a completely, completely different thing. They were just this... Because you could do them anonymously, and because you could do them anonymously, which I was – the fact that you were printing this in a newspaper, I was always surprised that they were getting away with this because obviously it set the newspaper up to get sued if someone was making comments about a specific individual. And needless to say, someone must have threatened a lawsuit because they they basically said you can no longer do – Onions and orchids anonymously, and of course, immediately what happens, all the onions disappear, orchids, 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 and that's it, because the cowards, let's make sure we understand this, the cowards who are terrified of people finding out who they really are, ran away. Now, I'm not saying people don't have the right to freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is one of those things that's preserved. But we should have, when it comes to, I don't know, public commentary for a city council, which is an official government event, that, no, the people need to make sure the people there, because, okay, let's just take the anti-Semitism and the racism and the bigotry out of it. Do you want people to be able to comment whether or not the city should spend money on repaving roads? that have no have never drive on any of the roads or never been to your town? Of course not. It doesn't give any provenance or clear, uh, clarity to an issue to have a bunch of people that don't have any say whatsoever chiming in on it. They're just against taxpayer dollars going to roads, so they call up every city council meeting in the country and basically say, blah, 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 blah. Well, I, 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 if you get re- where people can no longer be anonymous, they have to actually do it in person. Well, I think that's a good thing. And, and one of the things, I know that there are some uh, city councils that have stayed with remote comments, but if you want to make a comment on to the city council, you have to call the week beforehand or the two weeks beforehand, leave your name and your phone number, and someone will call from the council back to you to verify that it is you and that the phone number is legit. And people have said that that's done a, been a very good way to make sure the people who aren't legitimate don't do it. I mean, the minute you have to enter in a phone number and they say we're going to call you back, that pretty much kills off most of those people anyway. That are from from trying to be on the, in, in the city council meetings that are not legitimately concerned with the the business of the city council. But that's one way. If you still do want to do remote learning, that's a remote uh, comments from it. That's a the way they they can they can still do it. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. 952-946-6205. I saw this story come on down while I was down in New Orleans, and I wanted to comment about it, and uh, there has been an update um, on this. In Farmington, Minnesota, bad behavior and shouted swear words ended a school board mer- meeting early in Farmington on Monday. During public comments, someone in the audience yelled at the board members, you're negatively impacting queer students now. Shame on all of you. The board left the room during the tirade as others in the standing room only crowd began shouting as well. Most of the people in the meeting were there to support Farmington's LBGTQ students. The district uh, says it is reviewing its high school classroom signs in order to better promote the fully inclusive environment after concerns regarding the appropriateness of one sign. At the board meeting last month, a parent said during public comment, all students should feel included at school, but a sign that it has an obscure sexual preferences isn't necessary or appropriate. So basically what they're saying is, no, not all kids should feel comfortable at school. I, I, love how, I love how bigots, and I'm sorry I'll just say it, I love how bigots will always say, hey, you know what, I'm not for creating an unsafe environment, but there are some people here that shouldn't feel safe here. Come on, let's just be honest about it. Uh, The sign, uh, the supporters see the sign as an important signal to queer students that they are accepted. And basically, I mean, seriously, what does a sign? So there's a sign in a classroom that says "We, we support all people. All right. How is that a threat to anyone? I mean, seriously, how is that a threat to anyone? It seems to me the main goal here is to say, no, they're not accepted everywhere, and we need to stop them from thinking they are. At least that's what it seems like to me. There was never any signage at the school that said that it was okay to be me. Ashley uh, Tisland, a farming and high school graduate, said, I have family that works in the school district. I have lived here almost my whole life, and I was never allowed to be accepted. Andrea uh, Welvert uh, attended the meeting with her wife, uh, uh, Rihanna Norland. Our daughter will be going to this district in a couple of years. We want to have a place for her to be accepted and just feel safe. Farmington superintendent walked away when uh, Channel 4 tried to ask him about the sign. He and Farmington police officer cleared everyone out of the meeting. Oh, that's that's always a sign of open meeting laws. Just give get out. Channel 4 asked the district to explain his concerns about the signs and received the following statement. Farmington High School's administration did request that staff member remove the sign. However, I cannot confirm that the signs have actually been removed. Our district has been and will continue to work on creating school environments where each child feels safe and has a sense of belonging to that end in the near future. Focus groups and students will be established to help design consistent signage that serves all learners in our building. All right. So you had no problem with the sign. We have no idea how long the signs could be there. The sign could have been there for years. It could have been for years. And all of a sudden, one parent goes, I have something I'm not comfortable with. We need to persecute these people. And you say, well, all right, let's, let's start persecuting. Let's, let's, let's let the persecution begin. And uh, you guys go along with that. What was interesting, and if I remember, if this is, I, I'm, I'm positive this is the same case. It sounds like the school district initially had demanded that the person, the teacher or the counselor, whoever it was where the sign was, had to take the sign down because it violated school policy, but then immediately was asked, well, what policy did it violate? And they apparently didn't have a policy. They just made it up because they're, you know, I don't want people getting upset about this. And so this is why I think there's this wishy-washy kind of response from the, the the administration that basically say we asked the sign to be removed, however we can't verify whether or not it has been removed. Blah 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 blah. blah. They're trying to play both sides of it. Here's what I'm going to say. Um, if you are going to have, I I don't think it's not my job. To make sure you're comfortable in your ignorance. That's that the, the, I'm paraphrasing John Stewart, but he he said that. But it's it's such a it, it's such a perfect statement. My job here is to not make sure you don't feel threatened because of your ignorance. Okay. I'm sorry you're ignorant towards the LGBTQ plus community. I'm sorry that I imagine you sit there and and you might say to yourself, oh, there's no one in the district who's like this, or they're trying to convert people, or I don't care, I hate them, whatever the case may be. The reality is that's about you. That's not about the school district. I criticized, and I still will criticize the NHL for their crap handling of Pride night events because they sure as heck don't mind taking money from the LGBTQIA community. They love your money. Oh God, they love it. Buy another beer, have another hot dog. They love your money. But when it was just a simple, hey, we're going to have some warm up jerseys, that apparently was a bridge too far. They've now actually eased up the rules on tape and stuff like this to a point, but the reality is, is it's not our job to make other people who are ignorant feel good in their ignorance. And just because the person doesn't want to believe there's LGBTQIA kids in Farmington or that they, they, they just, they, they, they feel as if it's, it's, it's not anything. It's not nefarious. It's just a, Hey, you're welcome here too. And God forbid we actually go on out there and say, you know what? Yeah, the, the kids are welcome there. And I'm glad they caught up Farmington because, like I said, I think this is, what's interesting about this is the school initially asked this, the sign to be taken down, but there immediately was asked, well, what, what laws did we, we not violate? And apparently they, they couldn't answer that, and that's why they're kind of swimming at this point. I don't think we should have – I mean, I don't think we should have cases where there are serious problems out in, in in areas that are not addressed. I don't think we create areas where intolerance is accepted because that's just what they do around here. I want to remind someone, a month ago, Waterville Elysian Morristown School District had about a quarter of their students – go on a racist bigoted rampage around the district going after minority families and LGBTQIA families and apparently busted into the school too. And they have shut that down. They have not talked about this sweet Jesus. That's a story. If 20 to 25% of the school districts involved in a racist attack, well, guess what? That should be news. And Part of the reason why probably that freaking happened in the first place was because when stuff like someone went out there and said, maybe we should tell the kids that the swastika is not an acceptable thing. Some idiot sat there and said, I don't want to put judgments on other people. Well, maybe we should. Because maybe if there was some level of public scorn for some of these kids sometimes or these school districts when they go out there and specifically target, you know, a a, a, a you know, a, a specific element of the school, well, maybe we should just look at them and like, "Well, you're a bigot." <laughs> it's not me that's saying it, it's you. So, sorry, it's the, the the truth matters. You're a bigot. I don't have any problem saying that. that's why I have this job. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Now, once again, I will say this about Farmington. It doesn't sound like the signs have been removed. It sounds like they're kowtowing initially to this one parent, but it sounds like they themselves realize maybe this, this is not the way to go. But needless to say, don't feel like you have to go on out there and make ignorant people feel good with their ignorance. That's not what your job is. Uh, It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. By the way, we have... Our last pair of tickets to Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here Again. Uh, that is over at Luminary Arts Center. They've got Queer Night Out. That's going to be coming up here on Thursday. We have a pair of tickets to go to that with the 6 o'clock uh, social hour, 7 o'clock performance. That goes to Mark. Congratulations on the social media site. Mark, you are the winner. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, I hope you enjoy that that night. And go see it. That is going on here. I, I believe it's 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 uh, uh playing there through the end of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, go out and enjoy that. I put a link on the social media pages yesterday. So you can find that there, uh, final story. And I've, I've been meaning to get to this one for a while. An Iowa based bank is suing to foreclose on a property currently occupied by a university of Minnesota fraternity. Due to allegedly an unpaid loan taken out in 2017, Midwest One Bank alleges Kappa Sigma's Fifth Street Brothers LLC took out a $4 million loan and signed a mortgage agreement with the bank, according to the lawsuit filed in Hennepin County Court on October 31st. Kappa Sigma LLC still owes a total of 3792673 on the property at one thousand Fifth Street Southeast in Minneapolis, Marcy Holmes' neighborhood, the lawsuit claims. Uh, According to the lawsuit, payments haven't been made by the LLC associated with the fraternity for September and October. Additionally, real estate taxes on the property haven't been paid for the second half of 2023. Borrow is in default under the note because it has failed to make monthly payments, which are due under the note and has failed to pay this as well. Uh, They basically they want to foreclose on the property. Now, I okay. what I'm not quite sure of. Okay, did the fraternity take this out or did members of the fraternity take this out? And if it was the latter, did the fraternity know that the other members of the fraternity took it out of a $4 million loan? That'd be interesting because you still have $4 million. I- I'm not sure what they had to use to fix. I mean, what maybe it was just a standard mortgage, you know, fixing the basement, had to fix some support beams or whatever the case may be. Yeah, maybe that was the, that was it, but I mean, it does feel. There is. I got some questions about this. If you want to know the truth, uh, I will say this. I mean, if you get into a lost loan like this, we let's talk about where this is at. What's what's the property here? It's a uh, it's one thousand Fifth Street Southeast in Minneapolis, is Marcy Holmes neighborhood. That's I guarantee you they're going to they're going to want that property. That's that's some fine property. Uh, they are going to that that is yeah they are yeah. So, and and they'll tear it down and they'll build a twenty-story apartment complex there, maybe ready for next year. Let's not hold our breath, though. Uh, but they could do that. And chomping at the bit, needless to say, you get into a loan situation in this, you'd better be making sure you're making your payments. And I don't know what's going on with the fraternity, but I, I you might want to call the national chapter and say help because. This uh, this doesn't seem like it's going to end well for you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just I can already see the building they're going to put in the place. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We are back on a Thursday. Until then, see ya.